Welcome to Israel and to the beautiful village of Ein Kerem, a suburb of Jerusalem. In Bible times, Ein Kerem is the traditional site of the birthplace of John the Baptist. And as such, it is also the traditional site of the visitation that occurred between Mary and Elizabeth after both of them had become pregnant. Elizabeth with John the Baptist and Mary with the Messiah. Today, Ein Kerem is also the site of the Bible Times Learning Center, a place that is designed to help you better understand what life was really like in biblical times. For a visit to the center, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. We're going to begin our study of uh, Bible Times Living uh, right here inside this nomadic tent here in Ein Kerem, a suburb of Jerusalem. And here is Annie Thrasher. Annie is the Executive Director of the Bible Times Learning Center. And uh, Annie uh, uh, sort of uh, shook me up when we first got here because uh, we were getting all arranged for this. And I sat down <laughs> and she said, you can't sit down here. You must sit up on a stool. Tell them why. Well, in biblical days, the women, of course, would sit lower than the men. So, to keep in the biblical mode, we must do things correctly. I kind of like that. <laughs> you know, most men seem to. <laughs> okay, well, Annie, why don't you uh, begin uh, this by telling our viewers what the Bible Times Learning Center is all about? Well, we hope that those visitors who come here, whether they're Jews or Christians, will be able to get an idea of what the scripture is all about by placing it in, in the culture of the land at the time it was written. Uh, we especially for Christians hope this will be a very rich discipleship program because so much, especially of the West, uh, just has no idea of what they are talking about when they are reading the scriptures. They can't see what a tent like this might be for Abraham or for Sarah, or what a sheepfold might be, especially so many people living in urban areas. So when you speak of the Lord is my shepherd, it sounds so beautiful and so poetic, but what is the inner meaning? When you speak about an olive tree, you know, how does someone know what that is about unless they live in an area where there are olive trees? So when people come here, they're able to place scripture within the culture, within the history of the times it was written. And then, so it's just not vanity, to take that and apply it to your lives in some spiritual way that you, your life becomes better. And that's what the Word of God is supposed to be about. That's right. To enrich us. Is this center open to the general public? Absolutely. Absolutely. So tour groups could come here. Tour groups come here. 
We have uh, Israeli groups that come almost on a daily basis. Uh, and of course, the Christian groups come from around the world, which I think is very important because the word says, begin to tell the good news of the gospel in Jerusalem. Okay, now Annie, we need to know a little bit about you. Yeah, oh. how, did you how did you end up here? Because you're not a native of Israel, are you? No, I'm not. I'm actually from the Texas area. Oh, so from God's country. We are from God's country. <laughs> well, actually, I'm a little farther north in Oklahoma. We do. Oh, ref- now wait a minute here. <laughs> we think that Texas is Baja, Oklahoma. So, but the funny thing about in Israel is that some of the finest teachers have come from Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Texas. So, well, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, how did you get here? Many, many years ago, uh, my brother was visiting here and was, had a very small, very small ministry in the old city of Jerusalem. This was the late 70s, and I brought a group of friends here, 25 people, and of course, the study of this time, the second temple period of the time of Jesus was my specialty. I sat with my friends and I explained to them the customs that they might see and the geography of the land. And when we came, everyone was so beautifully prepared to receive more than what God could give them because they understood what they were seeing. But I noticed that there were thousands of people going around the country having no clue whatsoever. Mm -hmm. They didn't know the Negev from the Galilee, Negev in the south, Mm -hmm. Galilee in the north. They didn't understand anything about the culture of the people, and I'm talking about all the people in the land, the Jews, the Arabs, and the Gentiles. What did these people do in this land? How did they respond to the land? How did they respond to each other? And I went back and I thought how terribly sad for people to make maybe one trip in their life to the Holy Land and yet never receive the fullness of what they could have gotten. Because if you have more information, then the Holy Spirit can anoint so much more and quicken it to your spirit. So that was the late 70s, and I said at that time, I will do whatever I can to make the joy of knowing the land of Israel and the culture of Jesus more alive wherever I'm invited to go. So that's what I've done. And God fulfilled the desire of your heart. He did, but now imagine that this has been since the late 70s. (laughs) And so, um, yes, it just shows that when you persevere in an anointing and in a vision that God gives you, it may take 40 years, but he does it. Yes. Well, one thing I want to emphasize is this Mm -hmm. is not just a place to come and tour. It's a place Ah. of teaching. Tell us about some of the teaching stations. Mm -hmm. Just very quickly mention Mm -hmm. some of the stations you have. Well, throughout the entire garden, we have built replicas of Well, things that are quite obviously mentioned in the Bible. Olive trees, for instance, we can talk about the ways of olive trees just in the Old Testament and talk about how an olive tree is portrayed in Psalms. But then again, we can also talk about it from Romans 11. We can talk about living water, where we have a living stream here. We can talk about an ancient tomb and the customs of, of the burial. And how does this relate to Jesus, the resurrection? Oh. Lazarus. <laughs> Lazarus before that. Um, we have a watchtower. The watchtower is modeled after a watchtower that was from the time of King David that was actually discovered in this village of Ein Karim. Mm-hmm. So, and oh, well, you can see 
this can be Abraham's tent, but mm-hmm. most of the time it's my tent. You know, <laughs> it's Hannah. My Hebrew name is Hannah, and it's Hannah's tent. And I love to teach about the ways of the Bible, what the women's responsibility was at the time of the patriarchs, and what the men's. Uh, obviously, I've learned very well because I sit at a lower place. <laughs> well, over the next uh, mm-hmm. few weeks, we're going to be uh, sharing with our viewers some of mm-hmm. your wonderful teachings at some of these teaching mm-hmm. sites. But you know, it just occurred to me that what we ought to do as the very first teaching is just start right here in this nomadic tent and have one of your associates who helps you with teaching, Sokar, to tell us what this is all about. Oh, that would be a pleasure. Uh, One of the unique things about this center is that we have people from varied backgrounds who come to share their perspective, not unlike yourself. And Sokar is one of our resident teachers. He is the best for describing things from an Eastern perspective. Now, most of your viewers will probably be from the West, yes. and they see things and hear things through the Western eyes and ears. But soccer I, has taught me so much <laughs> because his family has lived here for generation yes. after generation. So to him, it's life. I can talk about the life of the shepherd, but he has seen it. Okay, so. in just a moment, we'll be back, and we'll take a look at the meaning of this nomadic tent, and we'll have soccer to help us with that. I welcome you to the Patriarch's Tent. Here in Bible Times Learning Center in Ein Karim, we are so pleased to have a replica of what life might have been like at the time of the matriarchs and the patriarchs. Now, I'm in the tent of hospitality, and I don't belong here because I'm a woman. I just brought the water, so I'm going to step out and let my husband tell you more about the tent. Hey, welcome to my tent. My wife took three years making this uh, tent. You can see some of the wool right there in the corner. She's spinning this to make this tent, made from goat's hair. In winter time, as soon as the water touched this tent, it would close all the holes and become waterproof. So this is what we call it the winter tent. Maybe in the summer, when we have a, a very high temperature, we might change it to another tent and even another uh, color. Notice the colors around. Red, it's sign of wealth. Yes, I'm quite wealthy. Usually, it is two sections. You will see a, a separation curtain in the middle where my wife would sit there and I would take this place. Now. Usually my place is a little bit larger than my wife's place. This is the place where I welcome my guests. I'm just watching around to see anybody passing so I can invite him inside my tent. And I have very special way to do this. I just run outside and start shouting, Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem. It's a sign for my wife to hide because I don't want any stranger to see her. Then she can come inside later on and she could listen to what we are talking about. After she prepared the food, here where we can sit, eat, drink, and from the other side she could listen to us. Okay, you see sheepskin here. Usually sheepskin means wealth too because if you count how many sheepskin I uh, have you could tell how many sheep I already ate and notice the part right in the middle of the tent 
this what my wife would call it the man if I die my wife would take this pole down for three days and nobody would use this tent this mean that the man the master just passed away we live in a desert and very dry place we're nomadic people as you see it's a tent temporary uh, a place for me to live because I'm going to move as soon as my water finish in the spring right next to me then I would go and look for more water we have plenty food here but we don't have a lot of water so I would move my tent my uh, wives my children and uh, my cattle and go and look for a uh, water spring water then if we find water I might settle if not I will dig a well remember I have four wives here means I have a lot of children we can do it very easy then as soon as I have my own well this mean for me for my family maybe for my tribe and if you come to use this water I will fight you so you got to be careful not to get any water you find in the uh, region because it might be owned by people now my wife my daughters should not go to the well anytime they want because I make a timetable here early in the morning I would allow for my wives and my uh, daughters to go to the well to get some water here in the tent and after the shepherds would come to fill the mangers for the animals uh, to drink then in the end of the day I would send my wives again with my daughters to bring more water and that's it for that day the shepherds would come and close the well and go to the sheepfolds notice that I use a big stone to close that well needs two men to take up and down and only man could do this no woman at all please remember man and woman should not meet at the well You've heard a lot about what my husband's had to say about the women in his life, but I want you to know that he had to ask me because I was the first wife about his second and his third and his fourth. But of course, if you've really heard what he had to say, you understand that the women has a huge role in his life. We are here to make him look good. We need to honor him because he is the head of our family. He is the father of all of our children. So if we serve him well and serve his guest well, if I run my household well, with other wives of course, then it shows that he has trained us well and it brings honor to him and honor to the whole tribe. Now, there are many things that we have to do, and he just mentioned the water, but you know, we have to take care of the children we need to watch after the shepherds to make sure they're watching after the sheep. Make sure that the sheep are shown at the right time. We have to make that thread so we can build our tents and build work on our clothes and prepare for winter. And as we gather food, we've got to save the food for, well, not a rainy day, but a dusty day. So the woman's job is very, very important. And of course, it always makes it more easy if there's more than one of us. So, we don't object to the four wives in most cases, but soccer, my husband, he has a tent to himself, 
and this is his whole tent of hospitality. But he is required to give one tent to each of his wives. And so we do have some privacy and some privileges that most women may not have if they've just one wife. So, soccer. Well, I told you that they have four wives. The idea is if any of them doesn't like what I say or doesn't want to do what I ask her to do, she can go home. I'll bring another one. How about that? It's just that simple. He can send the other wives home. But remember, he always has to ask the wives he has if before he invites another wife into his tent. And, well, who can say? We try to be very good to him and make him an honorable man so that his tent is honored, his family's honored, his tribe is honored, and everyone knows about his hospitality because that's what he does the best. Well, Annie, I want to thank you and Soccer for that <laughs> very enlightening teaching. I tell you, the, boy, that was something else. Our crew here was standing in the background. It's all they could do to keep from, you know, shouting. And particularly yeah. when you kept talking about the role of the woman in that situation. Yes, I have found that most cultures who come to visit here really enjoy the perspective <laughs> on hospitality and the role of the woman and the man. Well, let me uh, uh, ask you this. How can we take now what you have just told mm -hmm. us about life, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the nomadic lifestyle, mm -hmm. and apply it to a better understanding of the Bible? Well, there are several things that we can talk about. One, as you recall, Soccer, my husband, he mentioned that if you were to see messengers coming from afar, that he would get up and go to them and shout, Shalom Aleichem, peace be unto you. And if they responded with Aleichem Shalom and then showed their hands, they would see, ah, no weapons. Oh. So he would know it's safe. But now by that time, his wife or wives and daughters have disappeared just in case. Now, you noticed that in the story of Abraham, he invited the messengers to come to the tent. And then he hurried and he said to Sarah, bake bread, you know, go have the servants uh, kill a, a fatted calf, you know, make a feast. I basically want to impress these messengers. He wasn't quite sure who they were, but he knew that he wanted to impress them about his wealth, his position, and his authority in the area. And that was very important. Now, Sarah, of course, later in this story, she hears the men speaking and the messengers say, where is Sarah, your wife? Now that's very rude. Oh. In this culture, you wouldn't ask about a man's wife at oh. all, and you certainly wouldn't call her by name. But nonetheless, he kind of, Abraham backs off a little bit, and he says, wow, you know, what do you know about this? He says, well, at this time next year, Sarah, Sarah will have a baby, and Sarah is listening. Now, some people may think that she was eavesdropping. That's what I always thought. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe she was eavesdropping a little bit. But actually, it was her job to listen from outside of the tent of hospitality in case there was an instruction for the servants. After all, if they needed something, he would hear Abraham mention, we need more water, we need more spices, we need more fruit. And it would be up to her to get the servants together and make sure he was served appropriately. But what she did was completely lose her mind, and she started laughing. 
she thought this was the funniest thing. And now, I mean, she was the wife, his main wife, barren, and probably 90 years old, and I would laugh too. But the fact is that the name Isaac or Itzak means laughter. Yes. So. Uh, well, well, now, during the wilderness wanderings, mm -hmm. when they came out of Egypt, I mm -hmm. guess all of the children of Israel lived a lifestyle like this. Wouldn't that be true? Oh, I would say so, absolutely. And they also had a nomadic temple. Yes, they did. The Tabernacle of Moses. Tabernacle in the wilderness, absolutely. And it was a, most people don't seem to realize that it was a tent tabernacle where absolutely. you could just simply set it up and move it on and mm -hmm. keep moving. Mm -hmm. yes. yes, it had a very specific way of being set out in the desert, and the tribes were set out all around the tent. And in fact, in front of the gate of the tabernacle in the wilderness was the tribe of Judah, which I think is very interesting because that means praise. Now, once a year, mm -hmm people over here in Israel mm -hmm. set up something that is supposed to represent a tent, to remind yes. them that their forefathers lived mm -hmm. in the wilderness and God preserved them. Mm -hmm. Tell about That's that. True. Uh, in the fall, there is a holiday called Sukkot, which means booth. Mm -hmm. Now, many Christians know about this because they also call it the Feast of Tabernacle. And of course, this is a tabernacle in the wilderness. Uh, tabernacle simply means a tent or a booth. It's not the tabernacle in the wilderness, which would be the temple of God in the wilderness, but just a tent. And the reason that they set these up in the fall was for one, and historically, to understand and remember their days of wandering in the desert. But that's not quite accurate. We say wander, but they had a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of cloud, fire by night. So they were actually following the Lord where any he decided to move. Uh, but when they got into this land, of course, there was a permanent place for God to reside in a physical building, if you will. Now, the tabernacles were then set up to remind them of the time that God directed their path and brought them, fed them manna, brought them quail, provided for their needs. Their clothes never needed to be re repaired. The sandals never wore out on their feet. This was a miraculous signs of wonder of how the God of the Hebrews took care of them no matter where they went or for how long. When they got into the land, they were able to plant. And of course, if you have a field, you're going to have to watch that field. So very often, they would build tabernacles or tents close to the fields when they were harvesting just for, for convenience. But uh, it was also for protection, too, so that nothing would happen. No thieves might come in by night. But if you recall the story of Ruth and Boaz, Boaz was sleeping in a tent near his field. And there were obviously women there because women did assist in the harvest. And, and would you just explain something mm -hmm. there? What, what was the significance of her coming and lying at his feet? Ah, uh, well, that's actually a very long teaching. Oh, okay. Well, But maybe. I will tell you in short. <laughs> Okay, the Hebrew man would wear tassels on his clothing as described in the Bible that in the four corners of his clothing there would be a fringe. Okay, some people see a prayer shawl today as a fringed garment. And Jesus spoke to the Pharisees talking about the very long fringes and how that was really prideful. That wasn't necessary, you know. It was simply a sign. Now, the fringes, there are 16 613 fringes and knots, which directly corresponds to the 613 laws of Moses. 
the haves and the have-nots, or thou shalt and thou shalt nots, okay, if you will. And those are a man's authority. It shows that he abides by the God of heaven, and this is the outward manifestation, that he is a person who follows the law. He's a righteous man. In other words, he follows the way that God has given him. Now, in the case of Boaz, if someone came to his feet and it says he spread his garment over her, that would mean that he was now under her author his authority. So Ruth, by going into his tent, which is really scandalous, nonetheless took the authority of the prayer shawl and put it over her, and then he didn't object. And then right after that, having seen the faithfulness of Ruth throughout this entire harvest season, he then goes to the near kinsman who could have redeemed her life and asks permission, well, do you want her? He said no. And so then Boaz himself took Ruth as his wife and made her permanently under his authority. So this is a wonderful story, not only because Ruth was a Moabite who should never have had any part of the lineage of Jesus, and yet she made herself a part of the covenant and the promises of God through Boaz and the authority of Boaz. And in that, she was honored because she was of the line of Jesus as she was married and made the great-grandmother of David the king. A beautiful so. example of how understanding Hebraic roots and the culture and the lifestyle and the time of Jesus helps us to so much better understand and appreciate the stories of the Bible. With all this talk about tabernacles, I must end by saying that it reminds me of a promise of Jesus that one day very soon He's going to return to tabernacle among us. And the signs of the times indicate that's going to happen any moment. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Folks, I hope you found the information in this program about biblical living to be as fascinating as I did when we were shooting it. This is the first in a series of programs that we're going to present about what it was like to live in biblical times. Next week, the Lord willing, we're going to take a look at the Last Supper that Jesus had with His disciples. Our hostess, Annie Thrasher, will explain how the Passover meal got started and how it was conducted in the time of Jesus. She will also analyze for us Leonardo da Vinci's painting of the Last Supper and explain why almost everything in the painting is depicted in an improper manner. If you'd like to find out more information about the Bible Times Learning Center, you can find it at the website address you see on the screen. It is a wonderful place to visit, and it is a ministry that could use your financial support. If you'd like to make a donation to the work of this ministry, just send your check to us here at Lamb and Lion Ministries at the address you see on the screen. Designate it for the Bible Times Learning Center, and we will see that it gets to Annie Thrasher and her staff. Well, that's our program for this week. I hope you can be back with us again next week when we focus on the Last Supper.
Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. The program you viewed today is one of four powerful videos included on the Life and Bible Times DVD. In these videos, you'll learn about nomadic living, the Last Supper, crucifixion techniques, and burial customs in the first century. In nomadic living, you'll visit the tent of a Jewish family and learn about their daily life and customs. In the Last Supper, you'll take a critical look at Da Vinci's depiction of the Last Supper and find out what the Last Supper was really like. An investigation of crucifixion techniques will deepen your understanding of the agony of Christ during His execution and the painful price that was paid for our redemption. And a masterful explanation of ancient Hebrew burial customs will add to your understanding of the events surrounding the burial and resurrection of Jesus. These videos were shot on location at the Bible Times Learning Center in Israel and feature the teaching of Annie Thrasher and the staff of the Bible Times Learning Center. The accurate recreation of the surroundings, artifacts, clothing, and customs of the first century will invigorate your study and understanding of the life of our Savior. Life in Bible Times is available for a gift of $15 or more. Call today and mention Life in Bible Times. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 